Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and we are back for another edition of the EKN Debrief, bringing them back to back to you here this week. Of course, yesterday, uh, David Cole and I, Rob Howden, sat down to talk about the Superdeck shootout at Speed Sports Racing Park. Well, today, episode number 70, Wednesday, October the 8th, 2020, and the event that David's going to be giving us his review on the Cup Carts North America Grand Nationals 4 from Newcastle Motorsports Park at Newcastle, Indiana. Of course, that major event keeps getting bigger and bigger, and David's going to give us his full insight into what happened last weekend at Newcastle. This week's show is being presented by Briggs Racing. Briggs and Stratton is powering Operation Grassroots around the world. No other engine manufacturer is getting new and returning drivers to the car track like the Briggs 206. The out-of-the-box performance of the Briggs 206 provides the most fun, excitement, and reliability of any karting engine on the global market. Learn more about the 206 engine and the history behind Briggs & Stratton's century-long commitment to motorsports at www.briggsracing.com. Briggs & Stratton Racing, what powers you? All right, David Coleman, you're doing the heavy lifting on this one here. You were trackside uh, throughout the entire CKNA Grand Nationals this year. You also got a chance to do some driving as well. Had a great qualifying run. We'll talk more about that later. But uh, off you go. Let's get things underway with this edition of the debrief. Yeah, fourth edition of the Cup Carts North America Grand Nationals, as you said, and, and it's just one of those it events. You know, it's one of those that you you just want to be a part of. Uh, this year, we saw obviously an increase in numbers, despite the the fact that the U.S. Canadian border is closed. Uh, a large majority of the uh, uh, racers last year were from Canada. This year, obviously, all the racers from were from the United States due to the uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, that's still ongoing. Uh, so, but an increase in numbers, which we knew was going to happen, but, uh, you know, obviously we were hoping for, for bigger numbers this year, but it really, in terms of the fact of how 2020 has gone, um, it was great to see big numbers there, but, uh, everybody joining at the Newcastle Motorsports Park, October 2nd through the 4th, uh, your typical October weather, I guess, for the state of Indiana, yeah, right. you know, nothing too warm. Uh, the sun was out Friday and Saturday, pretty, you know, dry days, uh, both days, a little cold in the morning, obviously, uh, especially more so Saturday, uh, with, uh, with the track a little bit damp from, from some, you know, um, evening coldness and, and, and frost a little bit, uh, on the, on the racetrack, but, uh, all in all, all the, all the, uh, action Friday and Saturday were on dry, uh, dry, t- dry Vega tires, uh, practice and qualifying on, on Friday. And then three rounds of heat races on, on, uh, on Saturday, all into dry. Um, we had some LCQs done in the dry Sunday morning before the rains finally did come down, uh, as the main events began. Uh, forcing four of the six uh, finals on wet tires before uh, transitioning back to dry tires for the final uh, two main events. The kid carts actually were scheduled to race Sunday, but because of the rain forecasted, uh, all the competitors came to the the program and uh, they were able to move their main event to the end of the day on Saturday. So they were able to get get their race in because uh, according to CKNA rules, uh, kid carts are not allowed to race in the wet. So, um, uh, we that was something that was uh, looked at last year. They kind of had, you know, Sunday you were there. Uh, rain was rain came down and and their thankfully their race came up and the track was dry, so they were able to get uh, out on the racetrack. But uh, you know the competitors didn't want to take a chance this year, and and you know everybody was on board with moving their their main event to the end of the day on Saturday. 
Yeah, and all in all, David, as we do in, in our these debrief podcasts, we go through the through the numbers, and as you said, really impressive. You know, last year, 200, uh, 281 drivers or entries, rather, two hundred eighty one entries, because there is a number of people that do double duty. Uh, two eighty one last year, three nineteen this year. I think when, when we did the Outlap Preview podcast, they're at we're at two ninety five or two ninety eight, so a solid walk up as well of over twenty drivers walking up, and just good numbers across the category. And I think the cool factor is. 319 entries and seven classes. That's, you know, that's one of the things you and I really like is that is that really focused class structure. And yeah, numbers, numbers strong, essentially growth in almost every category. Yeah, it is a focused class structure. Uh, one of the things we keep talking about is how weights are way too high in four cycle racing. And, you know, the addition of the CIK light category uh, brings the uh, the total to seven because of the uh, removal of the open categories that they had last year. Um, but the CIK light provides that opportunity for those lighter drivers or smaller drivers that uh, don't have to add on 90 pounds of weight to make the medium category. So they're only putting on 60 pounds instead. Uh, but still, weights are just way too high. And hopefully we'll be able to get that situated um, as we move forward uh, with the Briggs and Stratton 206 programs uh, around the country. But uh, yeah, uh, all in all, uh, a condensed, you know, it gives plenty of opportunities for people to, to in the senior and masters, at least age groups who run multiple categories, um, you know, had a handful of drivers were able to do that um, and, and be uh, competitive in, in both categories. But um yeah, the sportsman category uh, is is a, is a great uh, great division. Be, you know, featuring you know what we now see is micro and mini, and they're all running together. So it was a great uh, combination of that uh, with the sportsman and of course junior. Um, both those categories running LCQs this year. We'll get a little bit more into that, but uh, yeah, numbers wise, uh, you know, as we said, it, we were expecting more. We we're we we're hoping. 350. I think that was kind of the target when we la- left last yeah. year. We knew we yeah. were going to get over 300, but uh, you know, you so you add in about you know 50 to 70 entries from Canada that uh, gets that gets you over that 350 mark. So uh, I think 400 now is the goal for for 2021. You think about all the people that are on the north side of the border that we're all planning on coming down. You know, uh, Trevor Wickens and the Prime Power team with PSL came down last year. Uh, and, and they were planning on coming down again, and I think that would have been kind of been the, the start of a would have been a roll. And as, I think 350 would have been easy, 360, 370 potential as well. Uh, the only category that that really uh, didn't have the huge numbers was kid cart. They had 14 last year, nine this year. Uh, Sportsman went from 41 to 46. Uh, every other category had over 40 40 carts, which is you know numbers breed numbers. We always talk about that. This is a major event because people keep coming. Uh, there was 52 in the junior category, 50 drivers in the CIK light class, David, as you said, which I think was great. 78 in total in, in CIK medium, actually seven more than last year. 78 drivers. That's awesome. Uh, could get as high as 100 next year. 40 drivers in heavy and 44, David, in the CIK master's class. That must have felt pretty good being on a, on a grid with 44 carts. Yeah, I, it was. Um I didn't really pay attention to what was really behind me most of the time. Uh, I was kind of focused more on what was in front. Of so, uh, yeah. but uh, it did. Yeah, we, you know, for practice, obviously it was a full grid. I mean, we were up, you know, it wasn't like everybody was sitting in the back of the, uh, of the grid, like you see in sportsmen and juniors and seniors. Oh, wait, uh, yeah. Although I did go to the back just, just to, uh, to make sure I tried and get, get some clear uh, racetrack. 
but yeah, it was a it was a busy racetrack in the masters category for for, for practice. Great numbers, as David said, 319 in total for the Grand Nationals. Four. Uh, time to get into the paddock pass, folks. When we get back from this quick break, David Cole will give us some of an update of some of the stuff that happened event-wise, paddock-wise. Stay with us. More to come here on the EKN Radio Network. Experience and passion. That's what led to the launch of AMAX Racing. Owner Charles Maxwell began AMAX Racing in 2015, expanding the operation in 2019 with a focus on driver development for drivers of all age groups and backgrounds. From top-level drivers to grassroots racers or families looking for a team that will help them achieve their goals, AMAX Racing can guide you with the absolute best trackside service at affordable prices. No matter the chassis, AMAX Racing welcomes you and has the experience to put you on the top of the podium. You can join the AMAX Racing family at the WK Manufacturers Cup Series, Route 66 Sprint Series, and local events around the Indianapolis area. The operation is also set to compete at the Rock the Rio and Scusa Super Nationals later this season. For more information, contact them at 317-437-5886 or find them on Facebook. AMAX Racing, all of your karting needs under 110. Acceleration Kart Racing is your first and only stop on the internet for carts, parts, and safety gear to get you on the track. ShopAKRA.com offers a great selection of karting equipment on a user-friendly website. Acceleration Kart Racing has aligned itself with many of the top manufacturers and distributors in the sport to ensure that all the latest equipment is available to you, the consumer. With customer support available six days a week, you can be confident about getting the right parts at the right price. Be sure to visit shopakr.com today or stop by their headquarters in Las Vegas. Also, follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest specials, clearance items, and new products. Welcome back to episode 70 of the EKN Debrief. Uh, David Cole giving us his full review of the Cup Carts North America Grand Nationals 4, fourth edition of this growing event at Newcastle Motorsports Park. We'll jump now into the Paddock Pass, as we always do in these uh, Debrief podcasts. Uh, Paddock Pass today presented by the Alan Rudolph Racing Academy. If you want to improve your results, it's time for professional instruction and coaching at the Allen Rudolph Racing Academy. Located at the state-of-the-art Speed Sports Racing Park just north of Houston, the Allen Rudolph Racing Academy offers custom coaching programs for newcomers and experienced racers alike. Train with a champion with over 30 years of racing experience to get proven results. Get ready for the big races by training with the best. Reserve your dates now by calling 866-607-RACE. That's 866 866- 607-7223. All right, David, uh, let's jump here into the paddock pass. Give us some of the notes on uh, the event itself, competition, what we saw in the paddock. Yeah, I know you got lots to talk about. Well, as we, we mentioned earlier by the numbers, it was a record turnout. And the, the format change for those larger categories, uh, including CIK Medium, Sportsman, and Junior. Uh, CIK Medium actually ran the flight heat race format with the ABCD split up after qualifying this year, sportsmen and junior were added to that, uh, split to, uh, to kind of help, you know, um, make sure some of the, the heat races were, 
were uh, less active, shall we say, you know, in terms <laughs> of uh, incidents and stuff like that. And I, I think for the sportsmen in junior categories, it certainly helped, um, gave them a, a different, you know, not a lot of racers are used to this type of format with the, with the heat flights. So it gave, uh, gave them a little bit of something new to experience. Um, obviously many of the majority of the CIK medium drivers have been part of it. Uh, if they were, were at the event last year, um, and, or a national racer, uh, similar to Scusa or, or other events that have done this before. So, um, it was, it, the only thing it does is it makes a day a little bit longer, uh, as we saw, uh, you know, putting all three rounds of heat races in on Saturday. So, you know, if we keep talking about larger numbers and, you know, the possibility of more entries in each of the categories, um, you know, so we could, we could see maybe a change in that. I'm not quite sure what's going to happen, but, uh, if, you know, I, I keep talking to Steve Ramirez and he, he wants 700, at, you know, down the road. Wow. And I'm like, well, we can't get all that done in three days. And that's, no, that's, just that's not, so that's obviously something that's going to have to be looked at. I mean, even 400, it may have the possibility of expanding to another day just so that way, uh, because again, you know, late September, early October, uh, makes for shorter days in terms of daylight. Uh, and, and it's not exactly the warmest days. So, um, something that's going to be, uh, looked at as we, as we move into the 2021 edition, uh, next year, you know, what's, uh, you know, if categories are going to be split like this again, and, uh, and, and just in terms of what classes are going to be offered again, I would think that, uh, next year, the categories are going to stay the same looking Makes at, sense. uh, yep. at the numbers and the way they, they unfolded. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, and you're right. If, if you get to 400, if you get to 450 and you start having to do these split flight heat races, uh, more and more, uh, they're probably gonna have to move to Thursday practice, Friday qualify, even Friday, Thursday afternoon qualifying, Friday heat races, Saturday heat races, and the mains on Sunday again. That's and listen. We've seen that happen before. It's you know the super nationals. Excuse me, super nationals is, is of course a, a really good example of what you do when you have 500 entries, uh, maybe between 400 and 500. So uh, it'd be interesting to see how that shakes down in the future. Uh, David, also uh, you know the cool factor is that this race has become the top, essentially the top four cycle race in the country. The the four cycle only race in the country. And to that end, it attracted all the big dogs in terms of uh, four-cycle racing as well. I know that uh, you've got a list of guys you want to talk about, but uh, Briggs and Stratton, first and foremost, uh, obviously a lot going on at Briggs and Stratton with the restructuring and the purchase, uh, but great to see them trackside kind of kind of speaking with their actions that, uh, that they're here for the long run. Yeah, the, the Briggs and Stratton racing side of the business seems to be continuing moving on as, as it has been. Uh, and really, you know, focusing on making sure that uh, racers understand that that they're here uh, for the future. And, you know, we, we had that uh, during the COVID beginning of the COVID-19. They had the mascot challenge. Uh, so now they have the Brickzilla mascot uh, that they're featuring on a lot of marketing programs and and actually had some some uh, apparel and some other uh, accessories uh, featuring the Brickzilla mascot. And along with all the other Briggs and Stratton products that, uh, you know, such as generators and and other uh, products that uh, they feature in addition to the racing engines. So uh, it was great to see uh, Briggs and Stratton on hand there again, providing, you know, uh, support for the event. And of course, you know, uh, talking to them, the many, many different uh, Briggs racers that were there from around the country and, you know, getting feedback on 
on, you know, the engine and, and obviously the Briggs and Stratton weekly racing series, which will be rack, wrapping up here uh, in the next uh, week or two as well. So uh, just a great time for them to uh, to get face to face with uh, with many of the racers from around the country that were there at the uh, Grand Nationals. Hey, listen, when are we going to see like a full size Brigzilla mascot, like a football mascot? I was I was actually talking to them about when when are they going to get its own Instagram account because you know that, you see that's a really good idea you see a lot of people with dog Instagram accounts and I yeah. was like hey why don't we have a Brigzilla Instagram account you know and so I think that kind of goes along with having a mascot you know yeah. full size mascot so that that might be uh, that might be something that we need to work with uh, with Briggs there David if you don't want to race next year you, you could be Brigzilla. Well, you know, I still have to work, Rob. Um, you know, oh, that's true. you obviously need help as much that's, help as possible when you're when you're trying true. to do live I was broadcast. Thinking kind of a, I was thinking kind of a side hustle for you. Well, you know, I appreciate that. I think my son's large enough to be able to do that now. So maybe if he comes similar. if he comes down next year, he'll he'll gladly take a hundred dollar a day pay, a hundred dollars a day pay <laughs> for uh, for that to, uh, to 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 stand around in a in a. Uh, in a Brigzilla costume. He loves dinosaurs. We were just watching Jurassic Park uh, animation uh, last hey, night. Listen, so. I do like the idea of the Instagram account. Maybe an Instagram and Twitter account. I think that would be really cool. Well, I'm yeah, because you know, I, I talked to them. I'm like, there's no Briggs and Stratton racing Instagram account. We got to get on this because they have the Facebook account. And I'm like, yeah. maybe we just focus on solely on the uh, on the mascot and and work with that. So uh, That's we'll see. You know, you know, Dan's a Dan's a marketing guy, so we'll we'll see if he's able to come up with something. Uh, David, uh, obviously, I was uh, down in Texas when you guys were in Newcastle and followed along with with uh, you know live timing as I could and, and watching some updates. But um, in watching all the people that I follow, of course, with the teams and the you know people in the industry I follow on my social media feeds, man, it just seems like all all, all the big dogs in four cycle racing and even many of those in two cycle racing were there as well. Um, I know that uh, in, in following guys, it just the paddock was packed with all the big dogs. It was great. Yeah, a lot of uh, major teams were there uh, taking part in the event, including, as you said, two-cycle and those who are mainly focused four-cycle. Uh, you know, looking at it from the two-cycle side of things, uh, AMAX Racing was there for their first time at the uh, at the Grand Nationals in their uh, in their home state. Um, had a number of customers uh, coming up to to them throughout the weekend that were outside the tent, uh, just taking in what uh, what they were able to offer. Nitro Nitro Kart had a massive tent there with uh, many many racers. Um, those in the Cadet, those in the uh, Lefty Kart, the uh, the Lefty chassis for for Briggs and Stratton Racing, both for senior, junior, and uh, and Cadets. So a lot of carts there with the engines on the left side. It was quite uh, interesting to see, and we'll talk more about the Nitro Kart later. Of course, Margay, one of the uh, stalwarts of uh, American karting and especially four cycle racing, uh, had a tent there uh, with uh, drivers both on the Brava and the Ignite. So uh, uh, Brava and Ignite carts under the tent. Uh, VLR, of course, was there. They're a major supporter of the uh, of the Grand Nationals. So RLV with the uh, VLR chassis was there. Uh, another American brand with Coyote was there with a number of their racers. Um, some of the some of the new uh, programs, including the uh, Noah Stark Engine Works, uh, had a good tent with uh, like drivers like Race Liberante and uh, and some other drivers in there that uh, were towards the front all weekend long. MGM had their big crew there uh, from all over the country, taking up uh, a big camping ground area in the grass area. Uh, had a chili contest Saturday night. 
along with a bonfire. So uh, they were enjoying their times. And again, more teams, including, you know, Cart Sport North America was actually there with Eric Jones and, and Jacob Donald, the accounting guru that they have there now. Uh, both drivers in the seat, uh, but just them two in uh, in one of the Newcastle garages. So uh, they were kind of tucked away away from where uh, anybody could see them, but uh, everybody saw them once they uh, hit the racetrack. Nice. Uh, let's, let's talk about the racing itself. You know, obviously, you're going to jump into the race report after our next break, but uh, overall, how was the racing? You know, you were able to be out there yourself in the in the midst of it. So what was the what was the racing like? How were the starts? How was the, how did the things overall you know go on the track itself? Yeah, I think I think the starts were the the major issue. If you were to kind of look at uh, how uh, the event unfolded, um, we saw the majority of the wrecks we saw were at the start. Um, we had a number of um, incidents, uh, including uh, a couple red flags uh, that were due to uh, start. Um, and it and it's the thing about the Briggs racing because everybody wants to be so tight, but uh, you know I just think it's. It's it's a combination of the drivers not doing what they should be doing and a combination of the officials not enforcing what they should be enforcing. Okay. Um, you know, they had a, a, an area where they wanted the drivers to punch off. And I can tell you there wasn't one race that punched off in that punch off. It was way further before that punch off was even close to uh, the field. Ah, okay. So uh, we had a number of fast starts. And then I think that was mainly the problem with uh with our start with the starts because you're trying to barrel you know 40 some carts now mind you this is just the heat races for you know such as um you know cik medium cik light or cik heavy you're trying to get 40 carts into turn one and if you're punching off way too early and they're coming in too fast you got you have a big difference of speed between the front of the field and the rear of the field. So uh, Yeah, and I know last year, Dave, when, I, when we were there, I was watching some guys make dive bomb moves into one at the starts, thinking they were going to try to get spots. And just like I, I gained at least two or three spots every race because guys were wrecking each other. They were just like diving up the inside and taking each other out, and guys would go off the right side. Well, I, I, you know, ironically, Masters was good all weekend long. We didn't good. have good uh, any mid- wow. major issues. The sportsmen and junior, I think, with their, with their um, smaller heat races, all of those starts went off without any major issues, you know, a couple spins here and there. You're always going to have that, and there's no doubt about that. But when you have, you know, drivers at the front within the first two or three rows getting together and spinning around in a field of 40 to 50 carts, you're going to have issues. And and that was really what the major, major problem was throughout the weekend. There wasn't too much... Um, uh, stupid moves throughout the racing part of, of it. I mean, there was obviously a few moves here and there that were, that were not smart and, and were, were not good. And, and there were obviously some questionable calls that were made, uh, throughout the, uh, throughout the race. But, um, it, I think the majority of it was the starts. And I think, uh, you know, we, we went kind of over, we went through this, I think with, with Supercarts USA and the fact that nobody's gapping each other as, as during the pace lap, as you're coming to the green, um, so that you know, when carts are bumper to bumper through the corners, there's nowhere to go yeah. except for bumping the guy in front of you as you're getting bumped from the guy behind you. And so I think that's part of the issue. And again, if a cart goes off and, you know, drops a wheel and spins backwards in front of the entire field, there's nothing much you can do for that. So I think, you know, spacing in the, uh, at the starts, uh, they weren't using the lanes. Um, they were not using the, uh, um, tram lines, uh, as, as they were painted on the racetrack, I think that might help a little bit more. 
but also space. So basically it boils down to spacing and a better punch off area. Um, we, we went down on the pace laps. We went down to the I 70 corner, which wasn't part of the racetrack, as you know, because we used the Monza corner with the cut through. So I 70 wasn't part of the racetrack, but we would go down to I 70 for the pace lap and come down the long, uh, back I 70 straight to, uh, to the green flag. And I think that was just way too long. I understand the idea of it was to make sure everybody got straight before the green flag was waved. But I think that also made the front row and and the drivers more anxious because it's such a long straight down to get to the green flag. Yeah. Understood. Yeah. I I agree with you. That makes sense. What about the racing itself? So like I said, you know, racing overall was pretty good. I mean, a a few bonehead moves here and there, but uh, you know, you're going to get that uh, when you, when you have 300 entries, Um, you know, a few, a few questionable calls that were made um, throughout the weekend, you're going to get that as well too. Um, but overall, like I said, I think the, the racing was good aside from the starts, you know, pretty clean racing, uh, especially in the main events. I didn't see really any issues, you know, even in the wet, uh, with, uh, with any rough driving or, or, or that, or to that nature. But, uh, you know, again, I just think we need to, we need to look at the, getting the starts better, um, getting them slower down, uh, you know, some, some pole sitters did the right thing and, and, and didn't do it. Uh, but again, it was just, it, that was the most inconsistent, I think, of the event was the starting. There you go. All right, folks, so that's the Paddock Pass, again, brought to you by the Al Rudolph Racing Academy. When we get back after this break, it's time to jump into the race report. Uh, we'll talk about CIK Medium, CIK Light. That'll be the first two categories that we hit on. So stay with us. We'll be back with the debrief on the Cup Carts North America Grand Nationals. You want the best? You just got to roll with the best. Streeter Superstands. This is Jeff Wessel from StreeterSuperstands.com. You wouldn't put subpar parts on your racing cart, so why put that cherished ride of yours on anything but karting's number one lifts and stands, Streeter Superstands. Streeter is the original and genuine manufacturer of the second-to-none Bigfoot rolling stands, stackers, uprights, and industry-leading superlift. We also manufacture and sell the largest and always-growing roster of trailer and shop accessories like tire, engine and jug racks, cabinets, brake hand trays, beat breakers, and tons more to outfit any size trailer, team, and budget. Streeter Superstands has over 30 continuous years of experience. We're cart racers just like you and know that the Streeter name represents the absolute best in stands, lifts, and accessories for karting enthusiasts worldwide. Durability, affordability, unmatched quality, and customer service, that's what sets us apart from the rest. Check us out now at StreeterSuperstands.com. Roll with the best, StreeterSuperstands.com. If you've seen it on track, it's certainly caught your eye. It's the Nitro Lefty Briggs chassis. Fresh off a dominating performance at the 2019 Cup Cart North America Grand Nationals at Newcastle Motorsports Park last November, drivers stunned with their new Nitro Lefty chassis. It's certainly a different approach with many benefits. The American-made Nitro Lefty is designed for the Briggs LO206 class with a left-side mounted engine for better weight distribution. This cart features easy access clutch maintenance, the ability to run one-piece gears for better chain runout, and MCP brakes with a lightweight brake rotor. The 2020 Nitro Lefty Briggs is available in cadet and full-size frames. The Nitro Lefty responds to changes just like our two-cycle chassis. It's enabled my son to win big races and championships all across the country. Back at it, ready to jump in here to the race report on this uh, 70th edition 
of the EKN Debrief. David Cole giving us his review of the Cup Carts North America Grand Nationals from Newcastle Motorsports Park last weekend. Our race report segment brought to you by Franklin Motorsports. Franklin Motorsports is a leader in the karting industry with over 50 years of combined karting experience, and they can provide you with everything you need to go racing. With a large online product selection, select track support events, and a wide variety of shop services, Franklin Motorsports is your complete karting source. They specialize in IAMI engines, tillet seats, and of course, their championship-winning Merlin chassis. They've been supplying racers with start-to-finish support at race events for years. From helping provide a helping hand at a weekday test outing or at a club event to full arrive and drive packages at the highest level of karting competition. For all things karting, visit franklincart.com. All right, David, a couple of heavy hitter class classes to get things underway here with the race report. You'll start with CK, uh, CIK medium, then you'll go CIK light. Let's go with the medium category. And the headline you have, Donald becomes Briggs fan, Briggs fan with big victory. <laughs> it was uh it was an interesting start let's say for uh for the cart uh, sport north america accountant and former racer uh obviously still current racer uh, jake donald one of the uh uh longtime top drivers over the last decade in in tag competition uh but yeah uh it was it was an interesting uh weekend in the in the medium category uh as you had a number of drivers that uh, appeared to be uh in contention throughout the weekend it all began well with uh, Hayden Jones, the uh, the young 15-year-old out of the nitro cart tent in the lefty chassis, uh, posting fast lap of qualifying. Um, and an interesting note in qualifying, the top seven were separated by less than one-tenth of a second. So we're talking, I think, nine hundredths of a second from first to seventh. Nice. It was, uh, it was a, a pretty tight field. And so, again, when you have that tight field, uh, not a lot of room for error, and and uh, one of the errors we did see though was in the uh, in the opening heat race. Uh, Hayden Jones started on the pole position with Mick Gabriel on the outside. Uh, Gabriel dropped a wheel on the exit of the opening corner, sent everybody shuffling around him. Uh, the the event continued on, the race continued on though, but with Jones uh, scoring the provisional victory, but was penalized for what was deemed contact with uh mick gabriel at the start of the race looking at some of the videos and stuff like that it just seemed to be like gabriel went off the track on his own but uh the call was made and jones had to uh was penalized to the end of the field so ended up winning that heat race and with the progressive uh heat races had to start the second heat race uh from the tail of the field so essentially took jones hayden jones uh, out of the competition uh, early with uh, yeah. with that call. Uh, otherwise, Eric Jones was was named the winner in that heat race with uh, Gary Lawson winning the uh, C versus D. Gary Lawson coming in as a uh, a former winner at the uh, at the Grand Nationals in 2018. Uh, Donald came through driving the uh, the Eagle, Comet Eagle chassis, uh, winning the second heat along with Eric Jones winning the B versus D heat race. So. So Cart Sport North America had both heat race wins in that round. And then in the third heat, uh, Donald was able to score the victory, uh, his his, uh, his second in uh, the A versus D heat race. The third one, which was a little bit, uh, the, the B versus C was a little bit, uh, uh, saw some contact at the, at the beginning of the race, including Eric Jones. So it kind of took Eric Jones away from winning three heat races. Uh, as it pushed him to the uh, tail of the field with uh, a, a little bit of a banged up cart, uh, but David Cobb went on to uh, to win that one. 
Uh, once the points were all, all tabulated, Donald was able to secure the uh, the pole position with Gary Lawson starting outside of row one. Ian Quinn uh, aboard the Charles Leclerc chassis with uh, Ashley Rojero on the nitro cart lefty uh, filling out row two with Eric Jones there sitting fifth. So the uh, the two wins and the uh, and the twentieth position earned him a fifth st- fifth starting spot uh, for the main event uh, in for CIK Medium. The uh, the main event was uh, pretty pretty uh, entertaining for the uh, the fourteen laps. Uh, Donald jumped out to the lead uh, from the pole position. Uh, Eric Jones attempted to to, uh, to make it a kart sport one two, but uh, the other drivers had other things in mind and kind of broke up their, uh, their grouping. And Jones was actually shuffled back, uh, with some contact as they were, uh, dicing it out for the, uh, the second position. And then Jones eventually retired. So it took him out of the, uh, the race. Um, Garrett Adams though, was charging through from, uh, the ninth position and was, uh, able to, uh, to lead a second group to be able to get up to, uh, to Donald and, uh, Gary Lawson who were able to kind of break away. Uh, and then once Adams got up there, he, he got behind Donald, was able to push those two away as, uh, as Lawson fell back to third and was uh, kind of in a fight of his own. Uh, Adams took over the lead with uh, a few laps remaining and uh, on the white flag or on the white flag. Uh, yes, the white flag. Uh, Donald was able to, uh, to take the lead over in the uh, cell tower corner, uh, the hairpin far, far away from uh, the rest from the paddock. And Adams attempted and tried to find a way past and waited uh, maybe possibly a little bit too long, trying for the drag race to align and came up just short, 73 thousandths of a second short as Jacob Donald became a new Briggs and Stratton fan with the big victory, scoring, uh, scoring the win uh, over Garrett Adams. As I said, Lawson was in a battle of his own. He got shuffled back to six as Ashley Brojero moved up to third Ian Quinn up to fourth, and David Kalb up to fifth. Uh, David, just from my knowledge, because I didn't actually have a look, uh, where did was the start finish uh, around the first quarter? Or did they do the start finish on the straightaway? No, on the straightaway, as it was on before. Yep. Yeah, okay. All right. Uh, let's go to CIK Light now. Uh, of course, uh, first off, congratulations to uh, uh, to Jacob Donald for that uh, that race win. Good for him, and good to see him out there racing with the, the Cardsport North America boys. Let's go into CIK Light now. The headline. Warren named winner following post race penalties. That's always interesting. Give us the insight on that throughout this uh, throughout this review. Of yeah, the CIK Light. Light, a new category for 2020 and at the Grand Nationals. So it was uh, everybody was gunning to be the inaugural winner. Uh, as we talked about, Mick Gabriel was quick. He's a two time um, Champions Cup champion or title winner uh, in 2020, winning the medium and light divisions uh, this year. Gabriel was the quickest in qualifying, was able to uh, to start on the on the pole position. Essentially, it was him and Eric Jones that uh, were battling out front uh, through the heat races. Uh, Gabriel won the opening heat race with Jones coming through for the victory in the final two heat races. That gave Jones the uh, the pole position for the main event with Gabriel starting on the outside of the front row. Uh, rain came down, as we said earlier, uh, for the main events. CIK light, I believe was the third or fourth. Well, either way it was, uh, con- contested on, uh, I think it was the third. It was still on, uh, wet tires, wet Vega tires. And so, uh, a little bit of shuffling there at the main event, uh, and in which included 
uh, Eric Jones. Eric Jones was uh, spun around on the opening lap in the double right-hand corners, uh, essentially dropping him down outside the top 30. That uh, kind of left the uh, the front group shuffling for the lead, uh, including Gabriel, uh, Vasquez, and, and a few others. But it was actually Ian Quinn uh, who started 23rd aboard a Tony cart, uh, shuffled his way, fought his way through, got up into towards the lead group and essentially took over the lead on lap eight. And then essentially from there, just drove away to what was the, uh, the provisional win ahead of uh, three other drivers. Uh, unfortunately, a penalty came through down on Ian Quinn for contact with Emily DeMaster uh, earlier in the race. I think it was around lap four or five as he was kind of fighting his way forward. So um, she actually retired on the white flag lap he was given a penalty to finish behind her, which essentially put him down to the 29th position. So, uh, so that again is a questionable call because she lost maybe one position during the contact, but yet he was penalized 28 positions for the contact. So uh, again, it's, that's, that's one of the things I asked Ian, he said, yes, I committed the penalty. So, so he doesn't argue the fact that he did, uh, commit the penalty, but I think, they have to kind of maybe look at this type of scenario where, okay, if the penalty happened here and the person only lost one position, maybe the penalty should be one to three positions rather than 28 positions. So just kind of looking well, at it uh, long term. Yeah, over, over the years, if, if that driver had gone out, had Emily gone out of the race, then, you know, like been taken out with the contact, then the driver finished behind them, right? That's something we've always said. Yeah, always during the, uh, the actual penalty, yes. Yeah. During, but because penalty, she retired yeah. after – the penalty many many laps after the penalty and 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 again the other thing too is is they they gave him the sportsmanship flag that was another thing i i forgot to mention in the in the paddock thing and one of the things i wanted to talk about in the paddock um they talked about giving space and that if a driver is outside of you it's still not your corner and so there was a little bit of of questioning about that because i i kind of understand their reasoning but i don't in the fact that majority of racers are told if you're to the apex before the other driver, it's your corner, and thus you're allowed to continue through the racing line. Well, they weren't really enforcing that because if they were talking about if you push somebody offline, you were going to get a penalty. Um, so I'm not quite sure if that's what exactly happened here, but uh, but he was given the sportsmanship flag, but because she was so far behind him when he was giving it, when she when he was given the flag, he ignored it because he didn't want to get off the pace. And have to give up, you know, nearly, you know, half a straightaway to give her back the position. Oh, by sportsmanship flag, you mean to give, okay, give, give the position back. Okay. Yes, yeah. because they were doing that during the races. They would show you the sportsmanship flag, give you the number, you know, that you've had to allow back. And if you watch, um, uh, Bryce Merceberger was actually leading, was given the sportsmanship flag, pulled over to allow uh, Colin Warren to move ahead, back ahead of him because I guess some contact happened between them two. And, and so you could see that, that happening, but it doesn't exactly happen. You know, it's kind of hard to happen when the, when the driver that, uh, that you need to let by is not around you. If, if you kind of get what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I do. I do. Interesting. That's, so, uh, that's, that's tough. So I understand the sportsmanship flag. I think it has a good meaning, but there's, I think there's ways around, you know, where it's not going to work. And I, and I think this was what kind of those, one of those instances where it wasn't going to work. So I still think he should have been on the podium looking at it, you know, from the outside in because it should have been maybe a one to three position penalty. But either way, 
you know, he knows he won it on the racetrack, but uh, but Colin Warren was actually named the winner uh, after the penalty, giving VLR uh, victory. And I think this was his third victory uh, at the uh, at the Grand Nationals. So uh, Race Liberante ended up finishing second in the race factory. Bryce Merzberger, who I said led earlier on in the race, ended up finishing third. Um, then we talked about how Eric Jones spun at the opening lap, dropped about 30-33rd. He and Jacob Donald, who Donald, who also spun in one of the opening corners, they kind of found each other about uh, you know two or three laps in and started knifing their way through the field, and and ended up coming up all the way up to fourth and fifth with Jones nice. fourth and Jacob Donald fifth. Right. I talked to Eric Jones and he said, you know, obviously the medium race hadn't won yet or hadn't been done yet, but he said it, that was probably the funnest race he had ever been in. <laughs> really. He said he he said he couldn't remember the last time he was in a rain race. So just being out in the rain was fun, but just to be able to knife his way through through you know nearly thirty drivers like that yeah. was was a blast. He said, "That's awesome." All right, folks, with a quick break in the action, we get back. David will give us his review of CIK Heavy and Masters, the race that he actually was in himself. Stay with us, folks. We'll get back to the race report brought to you by Franklin Motorsports here on this particular edition of the EKN Debrief. Leading Edge Motorsports is the industry answer to winning in karting. At the helm is industry veteran Greg Bell, who has orchestrated the success of many drivers dating back to the mid-1990s. Most recently, Leading Edge Motorsports and Greg Bell helped guide Danny Formel to victory at both the Rock the Rio and the Supercarts USA Super Nationals 23. Based in Lodi, California, Leading Edge Motorsports is the western importer for IP karting, which includes the Praga and Formula K chassis brands. Leading Edge Motorsports is already looking forward to the 2021 season, which begins with the Challenge of the Americas, the premier winter series on the West Coast under the Rock Cup USA banner. Leading Edge Motorsports is also eyeing the Florida Winter Tour and several other programs. Arrive and drive services to cart preparation and driver coaching are all available under the LEM 10 throughout 2021. Greg Bell has been building racing engines for over 20 years, and he's excited with the continuing growth of his new Mega Power race motor building program. It doesn't matter what color your chassis is, choose Mega Power to get to the front. For more information, click over to LeadingEdgeMotorsports.com and find them on Facebook. At Leading Edge Motorsports, winning never gets old. The Briggs & Stratton 206 engine is where out-of-the-box ease and outstanding consistency meet to create legendary races. Briggs & Stratton's history in motorsports dates back to when the first engines came off the assembly line in the early 1900s. Their focus on the grassroots level continues to help build generations of racers. Since 2008, the Briggs & Stratton 206 has gained a following that has the engine powering the largest fields in North American karting today. From the club level and track programs to traveling regional series and national events, Briggs & Stratton competition provides the most exciting racing in the sport. Engineered and hand-built exclusively for racing, every Briggs 206 engine is power-tested and serialized before it goes in the box. Carters can take that engine straight from the box to their cart and be on the podium at the end of the race day. To learn more about the 206 engine and to find a North American dealer near you, head to BriggsRacing.com. Briggs & Stratton Racing, what powers you? 
Welcome back to the EKN Radio Network, episode 70 of the EKN Debrief. David Cole giving us his full review of the Cup Carts North America Grand Nationals for the event that took place on October 2nd to 4th at Newcastle Motorsports Park. We've already done CIK Light and CIK Medium. In this particular segment, David's going to give us a review of CIK Heavy and the CIK Masters category. David, the headline for CIK Heavy, Lawson lays down the law in heavy. It seemed to be a uh, a Gary Lawson show, but it wasn't a complete sweep uh, of the category because it was essentially a two-driver fight all weekend long. Lawson ended up qualifying on the pole position aboard his Comet Eagle chassis. But Eric Fagan, a driver we mentioned uh, in the outlap, uh, Briggs and Stratton weekly racing series uh, champion uh, aboard the MGM, we knew it was going to be quick uh, as well. It was the, He was second, Lawson was first, and essentially those two set the stage uh, during the heat races. Lawson ended up winning both of the opening two heat races by uh, uh, drag race to the line with Fagan in second, but Fagan was able to edge out Lawson for the third heat race. However, Lawson ended up earning enough points to start the main event on the pole position with Eric Fagan on the outside of row two. Uh, so we thought it was going to be a two-driver fight in the main event, but Lawson was in a wet on a wet racetrack was just unstoppable, essentially laying down one second a lap faster than any other driver in the field, including Fagan. Uh, So in a 14 lap race, Lawson drove away to a 15.7 second advantage uh, over Eric Fagan. So just, just a remarkable performance for Gary Lawson uh, in the heavy category to become the second uh, different winner in the second year of the category. Uh, as I said, Eric Fagan drove to a, a solid second place, uh, ne- unchallenged throughout the entire uh, 14 lap. The fight behind them was for third with uh, Drake Ostrom uh, coming through with the Eagle chassis to finish third ahead of the two-time uh, battle at the Brickyard winner Elmer Edmondson in the MGM with uh, Eli Fox putting MG- another MGM in the top five for fifth. Uh, good solid run. Uh, always uh, interesting. I, I know that the notes here that was at uh, the Lawson, of course, on the on the wets, but the track was kind of drying. How much? How much was the track drying, David? As you recall, over that session, uh, it was because it, yes, that was the fourth main event uh, was before Sportsman. So essentially, as the heavy class took the track, they said um, the remaining two classes are optional tires, meaning wow. anybody could okay. go to the dry tire. That's so yeah, the track the track was drying. Uh, with every single lap that they that they uh, were making, uh, I look here. Uh, Gary Lawson's best lap was uh, minute twenty on lap twelve. So, again, you know, nearly uh, almost a second and a half quicker than anybody else in the field uh, at that point. So everybody's quickest lap was lap twelve, lap thirteen, lap fourteen. So yeah, the track was certainly drying. And w- once the sportsman carts uh, hit the racetrack, the track was dry. Nice. Uh, all right, let's move to the Masters class, CIK Masters. And the headline, Adkins wins first four-cycle race in over 20 years. <laughs> David, we talked about Brandon Adkins when we did the Outlap podcast that uh, he has kind of came in to run the Masters category. And you uh, you kind of foreshadowed, you figured he was going to be in the fight. Yeah, you, you know, you, you look at the odds, I would have gave him a two-to-one odd uh, <laughs> to win the win the race. Just, just knowing the... Uh, the uh, the talent that Brandon Atkins is, obviously, you know, he's still racing against the senior competitors in K100 competition. So I knew he was going to be quick. Uh, you know, he's in the cart. But but you look at really the top, you know, 15 
in the masters category, any one of them could have, could have won. And that, that kind of was the case because, you know, Atkins didn't drive away with it. Uh, you know, he was able to secure the, uh, the fast time in qualifying. Uh, and, but you know, the opening heat race was challenged throughout the, for, throughout that race and, uh, ended up winning, winning the race. But then the second heat got shuffled back. Uh, Mike Welsh, a two-time winner at the event, uh, was able to secure the win in heat two with Atkins, uh, in second, I believe even in heat three, he was shuffled. Atkins was shuffled back even more, uh, but ended up finishing second. But Grant Zimmerman scored the uh, the win in heat three. So so Atkins wasn't able to dominate because there was a number of drivers right there, including uh, uh, Michael Dittmer, Welsh, Zimmerman, all right there. Um, Jeff Scott was another driver that was right there as well too in the Ionic uh, chassis. Jeff Scott, the uh, the Champions Cup title winner for twenty twenty. Uh, it was all right there. So from my vantage point, it was kind of interesting to watch the, uh, the lead group. Uh, Atkins was, uh, able to secure the pole position through the, uh, heat race points with Grant Zimmerman scoring the outside front row starting position. Uh, Welsh was starting in third with Dittmer outside of him on, in row two with Jeff Scott starting fifth. Uh, as we said, the masters was the first group out on the course every day. And as the weather forecast predicted, with the 1140 starting start, starting time, the rain came at 1140. <laughs> I, I was actually watching that part live. Just I flicked over real quick at a commercial break from what we were doing and could see the fact that you guys had actually went on a hold because it started the rain really hit. So Yeah, we were on the grid. It, it wasn't raining yet, but uh, there were a couple drops falling. They gave us three minutes to choose our tires and drop the carts to be ready to, to go. You know, it was a bit it was a bit different than last year because last year we we knew it was raining and the you know we actually had the uh, the the driver intros. Well, we didn't do driver intros uh, this time okay. because uh, everybody was kind of scrambling on the grid figuring out what they were going to do. Um, I think everybody at the front had dry tires on. I think there were a few drivers in the back that didn't. And, and put rain tires on. Once we got out on the racetrack, the rains came down even harder and essentially made the uh, the track unsafe for the uh, majority of the competitors on the dry tires. And so before the green flag even waved, they red flagged our uh, our pace lap and gave us 20 minutes to uh, to change over to, uh, to the wet setup and uh, get us back out on the racetrack. Majority of the front runners, uh, unlike last year, were all ready to go on rain tires. So uh, you know, if you were looking to move up through the grid for guys not starting, this was not the year to do that. <laughs> what do you think about that, David? If they, if they had actually called, if the race session had, you rolled out on the racetrack with a uh, an optional tire session, should they not have finished that session? As well, well, it's kind of questionable because they said, right. okay, you have three minutes. Well, I mean, that, you know, that that's a little bit of a, of a short call you know what i mean yeah i think yeah. i think the the better idea would have been to maybe delay five minutes or or 10 minutes because you know one they 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 d- ignored the uh the driver intros which which they said they were going to do uh so it was a little chaotic to be honest okay. you know i okay. i don't think anybody quite knew what was going on um you know we waited until the last minute to to get away from the from the tent to get to the grid and then once we got to the grid, we kind of, you know, had the cart sit there as everybody else did on the stand. And then once they said the three minute thing, we were like, okay, I don't even want it. Let's not even chance it. Let's get the cart down, ready to go. So we're ready to, to pull out onto the racetrack. 
because again, you don't know what the weather was going to do because it wasn't really raining at the time. So, you know, it's just that, that question, it, it really was, I mean, we could have tried it on dry tires, but I think, you know, as well, much just, as it rained, uh, it would have been, it would have been pretty, pretty, uh, pretty terrible, but it would well, have been I great. Bad, I, I feel bad for the guys that put rains on. It would have been right? great for, for the yeah. two or three guys that actually did put rain tires on. Yes. Yeah. So that's an interesting call. Obviously it's the, the timing was perfect. A perfect storm to make it rough. Keep, finish off the, finish off the, uh, the run. So we, they gave us 20 minutes to change over and, uh, and got back onto the grid. Uh, the race started, I think it was a fairly clean start, uh, for everybody up front. Uh, essentially Atkins was able to, uh, keep the lead through from the pole position and it ended up being, being a two driver breakaway with he and, and, um, uh, uh, James Perkins, who I know you mentioned him before. And I was funny because I said that he started exactly, I think. Uh, right in front of me or two two rows ahead of me and i was like man we got to watch for these florida boys out here in the rain because i just you know i just had that feeling that he was going to be quick and sure enough uh perkins on the uh margay ignite chassis was super quick in the in the wet was able to knife his way up uh to uh to the second position and challenge atkins uh late in the race but just was unable to make a move for the lead with uh, with Atkins scoring the victory after leading all 14 laps. Okay, nice. Uh, it was a good battle for third that uh, I saw lap me uh, during the race. Uh, Michael Dittmer was part of it. Uh, he actually ended up dropping a wheel uh, with a, a few laps to go. Uh, but it was a great, great drive for uh, Target Distributing's J- Joe DeBoer. Uh, uh, Joe De. Oh, I can't say his name. Why can't I say his name? DeBover? DeBover. Yes. Joe DeBover. Sorry. I'm terrible at names. Uh, but anyway, the Notre Dame fan, I hate that even more, uh, (laughs) racing under the, uh, the LSR motorsports 10 aboard the CRG. He started back in the 23rd position, was able to knife his way through the rain, the early laps to, uh, to get towards the front was among those drivers fighting for the, uh, the third position with, uh, with, uh, with Dittmer and Zimmerman, uh, Debo- Joe was able to uh, secure the third position with, from a charging Jason Rowe aboard the FA cart as uh, Grant Zimmerman ended up finishing in fifth in what was a, uh, a close photo finish. Do you want to talk about your race or not? Uh, my race, yeah. Well, it was, Hi- uh, highlight was... Highlight was qualifying. The highlight was qualifying, just much as like it was last year. Yeah, um, P- P7. Last year qualified 11th, this year qualified 7th, so we had... We had a fast machine uh, without the draft. Um, struggled through the heat races with Racecraft. Uh, fell to eighth, and then fourteenth. The other two heat races. Uh, I asked for the rain. I got the rain. Unfortunately, we didn't have uh, the right setup. We didn't have uh, complete air in the uh, right rear tire, and the uh, the chain decided to skip as soon as I took uh, took off from the uh, the grid. So a loose uh. a loose chain. Um, improper setup, I think for, for the conditions and a deflated right rear tire. And now a deflated driver as well. Well, you know, like I keep saying, it's just going to make me want to be there again next year to, uh, to, to redeem myself. You know, I, I, I tried to redeem myself from last year in the wet. Uh, it didn't happen. So now next year I'm not asking for rain. I'm asking for dry (laughs) weather all weekend long. 
<laughs> and uh, you know, hopefully, my uh, I will be able to get uh, better racecraft for uh, for twenty twenty one. There you go. All right, folks, when we get back after this quick break, we'll come back to this uh, race report segment brought to you by Franklin Motorsports. We'll do junior sportsman and kid cart, wrap things up before uh, we take one more break to cap things off. Again, after this break, David will be back with Junior. Located in Mooresville, North Carolina, on-site at GoPro Motorplex, Cart Sport North America features over 6,000 square feet of retail space. Along with being the official race team and distributor for the Kart Republic chassis, they offer full retail sales, kart service and storage, and products from the top brands in the sport, such as CZ Chain, Talon Sprockets, SKF Bearings, and Prisma Tire Gauges. If you want to take your racing to the next level, they also offer driver training and coaching programs available trackside at GoPro Motorplex. They have a massive inventory, so head to their online store at kartsportna.com to get same-day shipping of the parts and components that you need. While you're there, check out their used section of carts, engines, parts, and accessories. Kartsport North America, top quality products, winning brands, and professional driver development services. History. Success. Family. Those are the three words that describe Comet Cart Sales, one of the longest tenured karting businesses in the United States. The family-owned operation is located just outside of Indianapolis, and they have provided carts, parts, and services for thousands of racers throughout their near six decades of business. Comet's online store features everything you need, continually adding new parts to their product line. Comet Cart Sales attends dozens of karting events every year, offering trackside service for racers and families. Karting veterans Mark Dismore Jr. and Gary Lawson provide one-on-one driver coaching and tuning assistance for each trackside customer. The engine building business, Comet Racing Engines, has won countless major events and championships over decades of karting, and they continue to offer the best trackside service in the industry. Make sure you head to CometCartSales.com or call them at 317-462-3413 to be a part of the Comet Cart Sales family today. Welcome back to the EKN Radio Network, episode number 70 of the EKN Debrief. David Cole giving us his full review of the Cup Carts North America Grand Nationals for Newcastle Motorsports Park, that event taking place on the opening weekend of October. David, uh, let's jump into the junior category and the headline, Cruise adds to stellar international resume. The junior category was certainly entertaining because there really wasn't a driver that stood out as the favorite. Uh, You had a number of contenders that were uh, among the front runners all weekend long. But one that was missing was the top qualifier, Violet Townsend uh, from nearby Ravana, Michigan, up here near me aboard the Eagles, set fast time in qualifying. Unfortunately, she didn't race at all on Saturday as she was part of a, a special guest during the IndyCar race. That was going on at IMS. So she was actually at Indianapolis Motor Speedway on Saturday while all the heat races were going on, thus putting her in what was now an LCQ category, uh, forcing her to start the LCQ from the last position and ended up racing her way towards the uh, the, qualif- uh, the transfer position, but ended up kind of in, coming up just one position short at the checkered flag Ouch. for qualifying for the main event. So uh, okay. again, uh, a challenging weekend, but... Uh, all in all, uh, you know, she got to uh, experience her first IndyCar race. Uh, and so, uh, but uh, just had to uh, 
not challenge for the uh, for the victory uh, in the junior category on the weekend. But uh, heat races, yeah, go ahead. Oh, keep going. Let's go. Uh, heat races, a number of different drivers. I said well, were in contention. Uh, Logan Adams ended actually ended up winning three heat races. Uh, the third one was actually due to a disqualification by Carter Pryor. Pryor was removed for the uh, the B versus C heat race in Tech, thus giving uh, Adams his third win. So that put Adams on the pole position for the main event. But he had James Overback and Brent Cruz with Nitro Kart scoring wins, along with Pryor scoring a win in the opening round of the heat races. So different drivers up front. So you had Adams and Cruz on the front row for the main event with James Overback and Danny Dazelski starting on row two. Um the main event was a little bit, uh, essentially a two-driver breakaway. Uh, Cruz was able to uh, get out to the lead, and it was actually uh, Camden Gruber who came through uh, aboard the MGM to, uh, I'm not, I forgot where I, he started. I'll have to look that up, but um, able to, uh, to knife his way from, I think it was six, uh, and join Cruz up front. And those two were able to kind of get away uh, from the rest of the group. Uh, Cruz essentially held uh, the top position for the majority of the race with Gruber right there on his bumper. Uh, lap traffic kind of played a role in it, especially on the last lap. But uh, Cruz was able to negotiate that uh, very well with Gruber unable to kind of capitalize. And it was Cruz that came across the line as the winner, adding to his long list of international wins that includes the IME International Final, Rotex, grand finals and many, many other events that he has been yeah. through uh, here in the United States. So, uh, so Cruz just adding to his resume with the victory, uh, scoring the victory over Camden Gruber. Logan Adams was there for a little bit uh, early on, but fell back and ended up finishing in third with uh, Zelski finishing fourth and James over back in fifth. What was the weather like for this particular race, Dave? Yeah, junior was the second category out on racetrack, so they were okay, right they were on a wet they were on a wet track, and uh, so yes, their first uh, their first session of the weekend on the uh, on the wet track. Uh, you talk about the LCQ. We said uh, Violet Townsend was one position short of of transferring into the main event. The driver that did end up beating her, Bowden Barnwell, uh, earned that final final fifth position in the LCQ to start 40th in the main event came from 40th on the grid to ended up finishing P8 in 14 laps. So wow. amazing drive for Barnwell in the wet to uh, to get that many positions uh, to finish eighth. So a great, great drive for him. Good for him. That's that's uh, tremendous. And another another big win for uh, Brent Cruz, like you said. Let's move to the sportsman category now. And the headline, Nitro Kart sweeps sportsman led by mayor. Sounds like a big, big uh, weekend for Nitro Kart and sportsman class. Yeah, Nitro Kart all up front throughout the uh, majority of the weekend and essentially earning the number one or the P1 position in all sessions, qualifying all six heat races and the main event. So wow. I think anytime you looked at up at the sportsman races, there was a there was a gaggle of Nitro Karts up front. Uh, ben Mayer ended up uh, setting fast time in qualifying. It was Isaac Malcutt. Uh, the uh, U.S. Rotex Grand Nationals Micro Max uh, champion uh, start uh, setting the second quick. So you had two Rotex Grand Grand National champions: Ben Mayer, the Mini Max, Isaac Malcutt, the Micro Max champion, uh, setting qualifying laps one two. So it was pretty cool to see that. 
Um, so and, and Mal- 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 the only guy not on a nitro in the top five. Malka uh, was a, was a Cart Republic. He was one of the few up front aboard the Cart Republic. There was also a few other Cart Republics with uh, Jace Petty and uh, oh, I cannot Gurky. Uh, I cannot remember his first name, but uh, the, it was essentially Nitro Cart and Cart Republics up front uh, all weekend long in the Sportsman Division. As I said, Nitro Cart swept all six heat races. Uh, Mayor ended up winning the opening round. DeLong was the big winner, though, winning three of his heat races. Well, Mayor only won two. Uh, Ayrton Grimm was the other heat race winner. He was coming in as the uh, defending champion and a two-time winner in the category. So Grimm was actually going for a third third victory in the sportsman division. Uh, DeLong ended up earning the pole position for the main event with his three heat race wins. Grimm finishing or starting the the main event from outside the front row. Ben Mayer was slotted in third with uh, uh, Christopher McKeithen in the uh, outside of row two. Ended up being a three-driver breakaway, DeLong, Grimm, and Mayer. Mayer essentially took over the lead with Grimm on his bumper, and those two were able to kind of push themselves away from from Parker DeLong, making it a uh, one-on-one battle between Mayer and Grimm. Essentially, Grimm kind of sat there on his bumper until the final lap made it, wasn't able to quite make a move uh, through the final circuit. And then uh, essentially, you know, as we see at Newcastle every year and every race, uh, it was a drag race to the line. And uh, Grimm came up 34,000 short uh, oh. at the line to earn his third victory, giving Ben Mayer his first Cup Carts North America Grand Nationals victory. Uh, Parker DeLong came across a line in the third position, but was disqualified in tech for using the wrong tires, had his practice tires on instead of the race tires. So that removed mm-hmm. him from the results that moved, uh, um, Spencer Conrad up to the third position with McKeithen up to fourth and then Cade Jagger up to fifth. All right, let's cap off our race report brought to you by Franklin Motorsports. Kid Kart, as you had said, David, in the paddock pass, was run on Saturday evening as the last session of the day. Uh, the headline, Rossiter continues season on top with Grand Nationals victory. Yeah, Summit Rossiter was the Champions Cup title winner for the 2020 season. So he came in as probably one of the favorites in the Kid Kart division. But Slatten Baldock. Baldock? Baldock. I'd yes. say Baldock, yeah. Baldock. Uh, was the uh, the top driver early on. He set fast time in qualifying and won the opening two heat races. The third heat race saw a little bit of contact up front, kind of shuffled the order, but Kevin Ruth from Arizona ended up winning winning that heat race. But in the main event that was run Saturday evening, it was uh, Rossiter that was able to uh, knife his way up to the front and uh, held off uh, Slatten at the line by just a tenth of a second as they came to the line and giving Rossiter the uh, the Cup Cards Grand Nationals victory. Uh, Ruth ended up finishing in third ahead of Jackson Stone with Riley Jacks finishing fifth. There you go. That's the cap. The race report for the Grand Nationals 4 of Cup Cards North America. When we get back after this break, we're going to wrap things up. We'll look at the Constructors' Championship, look at the brands that actually won races, and we'll have a quick look at the EKN Trackside Live Race Calendar. Stay with us. We'll wrap things up after this break. You've heard and read about us. We are the Rawlson Performance Group. We race to win. Our senior program is the best in the sport, and we have the Scusa Pro Tour X30 Senior Championship to prove it. Our coaching staff includes four-time Scusa National Champion Ryan Norbert, three-time Scusa Supernats winner Bonner Moulton, 
Scusa Pro Tour X30 Junior Champion, 2015 Rotax Grand Finals Vice Champion, and Junior Development Specialist Luke Selkin, and our hands-on owner, multi-time champion, and IKF Duffy winner Mike Rollison. This isn't sideline coaching. We're on track, and we dogfight with you. It's like nothing you've ever experienced. You learn more and more with every single lap. Our seniors win races, like Hannah Greenmeyer at the Scusa Winter Series opener in Florida. And they win because they've been trained, coached, and honed by our RPG staff. Hurricane Hannah is proof positive. If you're a mini driver ready to move up, or a junior driver who's done with running mid-pack, join the team that will develop your skills and take you to the podium. At the Rawls and Performance Group, we turn juniors into pros. In 2020, we'll be racing at the Scusa Winter Series, Pro Tour and California Pro Car Challenge, the Florida Winter Tour, and the United States Pro Kart Series, as well as the IKF Northwest Region. If you want to fight for championships or want to improve your skills and your chances to win, the answer is to call RPG at 503-260-4514. We're the Rawlson Performance Group. We race to win. Made in the USA. That's exactly what you get from Precision Karting Technologies. Based in Detroit, Michigan, PKT brings over 35 years of manufacturing experience to the sport of karting. Their passion for the sport began focusing around the kid kart platform and has expanded every year with hundreds of products designed to put you on the podium. Precision Karting Technologies is known around North America for their successful line of axles available in all age groups. PKT manufactures a number of engine products for Comer, IAMI, Rock, Rotax, and the popular Briggs & Stratton 206. A wide variety of chassis components for the many brands in the sport are available through PKT, including hubs, pedal risers, skid plates, and other hardware for your cart. Axle straightening, chassis adjustments, engine service, and specific CNC machining projects are available through their Motor City headquarters. To learn more about the many products and services available from Precision Karting Technologies, head to pktaxles.com. Welcome back to the final segment of this edition of the EKN Debrief. David Cole has been uh, kind enough to give us a full replay, a review of the Cup Cards North America Grand Nationals event from Newcastle Motorsports Park, which took place last weekend, the first weekend of October. Uh, David, let's wrap things up right now. What are your thoughts to, to cap off uh, this edition of the debrief? Well, as we mentioned a little bit in the beginning, uh, record turnout. And now what is expected for the 2021 edition? Uh, we had 319 entries for this year, setting a new record, eclipsing that 300 mark, which we knew was going to happen this year. Uh, unfortunately, we, as we said, a number of the Canadians were unable to come down and compete. Uh, so now I think the goal that the bar is set at a 400 entry for the 2021 edition. Um, so it's, it, that's the goal. Uh, obviously, as I said earlier, uh, Steve Vermeer, who's part of the cup cards, North America, uh, he wants 700. I don't know how we're going to get there. Obviously we have, we have a, a strong base and I think that's one way of getting there. It's just a matter of getting everybody on the same page and 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 that actually happening. So I think for now we set the bar at 400, and I think we just we continue to kind of just at inch our way up 
more and more as we as the event continues on. Well, anytime you add another 50 drivers or 100 drivers, you bring in so many different, uh, I, don't, I don't use the word problems, challenges, more challenges uh, for the for the event, right? Because the minute you get to 400, 450, then you're looking at having to add Thursday. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, right? Practice and qualifying on Thursday, heat races on Friday and Saturday, and the mains on Sunday. Well, when you do that, it kind of takes it takes the event out of the wheelhouse of, you know, the, the smaller teams uh, that, you know, you're talking four or five hotel nights at that point. You're talking a couple days, maybe three days of missed work, four days potentially of missed work. If it's, you know, driving there Wednesday, then you got Thursday, Friday, and the following Monday. So, a lot of times, once you start getting bigger, you may lose certain other other drivers. So that, those are some of the challenges they'll deal with. You know, to be honest, David, where they are even right now at three three fifty would be a really good sweet spot for the, this event. If they go to four hundred because of interest, that's great. But anywhere between you know where they are now, let's say three fifty and four hundred, that could give them a really good sweet spot in terms of where to be for this event. Yeah, that's that was my third point. Is is what changes will come for grand nationals five, obviously it's going to be dictated on the number of entries that are, that are going to be part of the event. Uh, I assume we're going to be sticking with the opening weekend of October. So I think everybody can kind of pencil that in, uh, until they, uh, the, until they make the official announcement for 2021. But, um, you know, it seems to be, you know, it's gaining that momentum as we saw over the last two years. And, and I think the, you know, with the majority, with the Canadians not coming down, I think it's, it's kind of amplifying their want to come down here. And, and I hope, and I, I believe that that'll entice some of their, you know, teammates or, or friends, you know, as you said, we, there was a number of drivers that just had, had their eyes on it since last year. So, so now to be two years out from, from being at the event it, there, it's going to be more amped up, I think for, for a lot of the Canadians to come down and compete. Well, remember too, David, that, that the guys out in Quebec were putting on that Can-Am shootout, right? The uh, the U.S. American sh- or U.S. Canada shootout they were trying to put on in Quebec, which would have even had more excitement from Quebec. We know there's a lot of guys from Ontario, but it would have dialed things up from Quebec. Uh, so I think you'll see, you know, as long as the borders are open, which I'm sure they will be next year, um, you're going to see, I think, a really strong Canadian contingent, much stronger than we had last year. Yeah, and and again, like we said, if if we do get up to that 400 mark and we start expanding the the race days, I th- you know racing is a passion and, you know, me, me and you live it and, you know, we're fortunate enough to do, to do that. And, and, but we, we, as you said, we need to understand exactly what the racers can do. And I, I understand the, the, the difficulties of, of, as you said, five hotel nights, but if you look at it and, and that, and the, that's the one thing that's going on right now, the SCCA runoffs. And I, and I really look at w- what that event is and what this, you know, the Cup Carts Grand Nationals could be. It could be very similar to that type of, of scenario. I really, I really believe that because it is that one event that all these racers they mark on their calendars, and that's their one, that's their vacation race. That's their destination race. And I so think go that's back to what, go back there with what the ICAF Grand Nationals used to be. Very that's similar. A, uh, you know, and, and even right even Daytona Kart Week was was essentially, you know, it wasn't it was a four day event there too, because the races were spread out over three days. So, uh, but yeah, IKF grand nationals, I think is very similar to, to what the runoffs is. Um, you know, and they used to do it during the weekday. They used to do it, you know, where they would, we would start practice on Monday and race Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So, uh, so that way you could get, be home for the, for the weekend. Um, you know, that, I think that's a little, you know, obviously being the, the opening weekend of October, 
I think that's a little harder to do because, you know, especially for the sportsmen and kid carts and junior drivers, they're all in school. So, so I understand that there, there's a challenge in that, but I think if you, if you start, you know, you kind of have to introduce a lot of these racers to that format and you kind of have to open their eyes of, Hey, look, this is, this is our, our, your one destination race. And so I think that's something that, that cup carts grand national, or, you know, cup carts, North America is really going to have to start, you know, kind of marketing that if they in, indeed plan on expanding the event, they might not plan on expanding the event. So it, you know, it's just how, you know, the challenges of doing it in three days, uh, with more entries is, is going to be a challenge. Agreed. Now, Dave, you know, interesting when you were going through the, uh, the whole you know, the race report class by class, it was interesting to hear you talk about, Hey, new winner, new winner. There's a lot of new winners this particular year. Yeah. Five different, uh, new winners, uh, for the event, uh, for the cup cards, grand nationals with, uh, Colin Warren and Gary Lawson, the only, uh, repeat winners, uh, Warren, uh, added to his list, uh, making it three wins now at the event. This was his first, obviously, in the CIK light category with it being the inaugural year. Uh, Gary Lawson earning his second uh, and first in the heavy category. So, yeah, it's uh, that's the one thing about this event. Uh, you know, we'll probably start seeing some new winners uh, as we move along with the event. Uh, but this year was no different with five five new winners. Let's have a look at the Constructors' Championship. What chassis brands were able to get on top of the podium? Well, this was an interesting note and something that, uh, you know, if you take Kid Card out of it because they ran Saturday, but on Sunday it was three different chassis winning two races. Uh, on the on the uh, on Sunday, you had Comet Eagle winning with two with Gary Lawson and Jacob Donald. You had VLR winning with Brandon Atkins and Masters and Colin Warren in the light division. And then you had Nitro Kart winning the junior and sportsman divisions with uh, Brent Cruz and Ben Mayer. And then Margate ended up winning the kid kart division with Summit Rossiter. Nice, nice. All right. A couple of American-made chassis and all three of them actually American brands as well. All four. Oh, all four, pardon me. Yeah, all four all American four brands. American brands. Yeah, brands. it's all four American brands, essentially. Yeah, and uh, and and uh, two of them, Common Eagle and Margate, obviously uh, uh, built here. Uh, I love it. Actually, does, is the Nitro the Nitro, is the nitro three, Lefty? Yes, I think the Nitro Lefty is too, actually built here, too. So three. That's what I thought. Yeah, that's interesting. All right, folks, let's wrap things up with the EKN Trackside Live race calendar. We'll talk about uh, essentially what is the, the final event for us uh, for 2020 as it stands. This look at the the, uh, the Trackside Live race calendar brought to you by Atlanta Motorsports Park. In Las Vegas last November at the Rock the Rio finale and the Scusa Super Nationals, Formula K reigned supreme, winning the headline shifter cart main events. Atlanta Motorsports Park is the North American importer and distributor for the Formula K and Praga chassis, and they have 2020 carts in stock to support new dealers. AMP also has previous year models in inventory available for racers who want a winning chassis at discounted prices of up to 40% off. Contact them directly for pricing and head to atlantamotorsportspark.com slash karting to learn more about Formula K, Praga, and AMP's karting program. All right, David Cole, one more event as we stand here on the docket for the ECAN Trackside Live Tour for 2020, of course, brought to you by Cooper Tires. October 16th, 17th, 18th, uh, you are getting set to cap things off with the good folks from the United States Pro Card Series. Very much looking forward to getting back down to GoPro Motorplex and wrapping up what, <clears throat> excuse me, what is the going to be the eighth season for the USPKS? 
uh, Mooresville. Haven't been there all year. Typically, we're there by April, if not by June. So it's been a been an interesting year not to be able to uh, to get to GoPro Motorplex. So excited to be there. Excited to see the seven different championships wrapped up. We've got two rounds of racing set to go for uh, October 16th through 18th. Uh, and uh, crowning the uh, seven different champions for 2020. Yeah, that's uh, the way we cap off the season for the EKN Trackside Live Race, uh, our tour for 2020, uh, brought to you again by Cooper Tires. Uh, we'd hope to obviously head to the Super Nationals as we have every year. I have for the last 23 years in a row. Uh, not going to happen this year. And as we've, uh, we heard uh, on the weekend as well, Scusa announcing that it will not be a replacement race either. So at this point, the USPKS event could be our final race of the year. We'll see what happens in November or December. You know, we, we have an opportunity to, to jam another race in there. We'd love to get trackside again. Otherwise, David, that's it. We wrap things up for the CKNI Grand, uh, Grand Nationals for 2020. Excited for uh, what's coming in in 2021. Uh, we'll wait and see uh, how they uh, announce what they announce for their Champions Cup program in 2021 as well. So a number of the uh, obviously a number of the competitors that were there this year uh, use that regional program to uh, to set their season along with club racing. And then again, uh, we'll see the uh, Briggs and Stratton Weekly Racing Series uh, standings be uh, completed at the end of the month this year as well. And that caps everything up for this edition of the EKN Debrief. Thank you so much for joining us, EKN Nation, here on the radio network. On behalf of David Cole, my name is Rob Howden. Bye for now.